This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Tonight I want to talk to you all about someone, this scripture here. It says, not many mighty are called. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. As we start beginning to analyze this scripture, the first thing I start to do is there's a phrase in here I want to understand. This word is calling. What does this mean, calling? We hear it a lot. We, we're told to live up to our calling. What's your calling in life? My calling, I thought, was to be a veterinarian. I went to school to be a veterinarian. Obviously, it wasn't. People talk about their calling in life. It says there, for you see your calling, brethren. The word literally means an invitation. We're inviting someone. This invitation, the church is called ecclesia, the called out ones. Tonight, we are the called out. We are the assembled together. In in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, It says, Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirits in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Our calling then we see is something that we're to do, the way we live our life, our, our conversation as it's said in scripture, the way we live. Who's the invitation for? Is this invitation for everyone? It says in 2 Peter, sorry, chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I see this in my mind as this little RSVP here. God has sent out this invitation to all men, not willing that any should perish. He sent this invitation out to all, but all are not going to be saved. On an RSVP, what do you have to do? You have to say, yes, I'm going to come. Brent and Oren recently got married. They sent them out. They sent out these wedding invitations. They were not going to have a reception made for 400 people if they sent out 400 invitations. But if 200 people accepted, they'd say, okay. We're going to have it ready for 200 people. This invitation is only for those who accept what we then see. But it's for all. Jew, Samaritan, Greek, regardless of race, anyone can accept this invitation. The calling that that God has sent out. 
But the verse I really want to emphasize on is verse 26. It says, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Why is that? Why aren't these people called? Why do they not accept this invitation? The invitation's been sent, but they're not going to accept it. It says, not many wise. Whenever we think of this word wise, we need to think about man's wisdom. You want to think of your scholars, your professors, that, those type of intellectual people. They're not going to be called, it says. Why? Because they're trusting in themselves and their own learning and in earthly wisdom. They don't have a need for God. They're out there trusting in their own learning, their own education. That's their God. That's their calling. It says not many mighty. There's a lot of people that want to work out, and that becomes their calling. This becomes their lifestyle. Your bodybuilders, hit fitness people, athletes, this becomes their life. It says not many of them are going to be called either. Why? Because they trust in their own fleshly strength they have. Why do I need God? I can go out there and I can pick this thing up. I can move whatever it is out of my way. I can do it myself. Not many noble, it says. Think of it like your government officials, your nobility, royalty. They're not going to be called either. Why? Because they trust in their own social position. What all these people have in common is they trust in themselves. They do not trust in God. They're not going to be called because they are trusting in themselves, what they can do. They're not broken. What this verse is, is it's describing the opposite of the Beatitudes, the proud, the people that only believe in themselves. And we look through Scripture and we look at the apostles they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were rebels, zealots. They weren't mighty men, but we want to think of them at. These, these guys were the founders of our faith. We think of King David. We think of these as mighty men in our, in our minds. And then we get to people like in Romans chapter 16 that we don't know anything about except they're listed here. Paul tells us to salute them. I want to talk to you tonight about a lesser known character in the Bible. Because this man was a mighty man. He was mighty in what he did. A guy by the name of Onesiphorus. You may think of this name as someone you've never heard of. Before I started studying about him, I didn't know anything about him. Because he's only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. Someone that just gets a shadow glance. But why is he mentioned? Through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God said he needs to be in here. There's lessons that he can teach us as Christians today. What can we learn from his life? This guy was a first century Christian, as we're getting ready to find out. This is a guy who would have heard the apostles preaching, and how did he respond to it? How did he accept this invitation? Because he accepted it. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Paul writing to Timothy, Timothy knew this guy. He said, you know what he did for me in Ephesus. This is someone who you're well acquainted with. And the other scripture he's mentioned in is in chapter 4, the same book, he writes, salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. So this is a guy that we really don't have a lot of information about. 
You know what? He's got two more verses in the Bible than me, though. So there's something that there's in, in his life. There's something important we can learn from it. What can we learn from his life? It says here, breaking this verse down, it says, He oft refreshed me. Often. Very much. He was not ashamed of my chain. Sought me out diligently until he found me. And he ministered unto me at Ephesus. Looking at this at just a glance, we see he refreshed Paul. He had a persevering heart. He was dedicated to the work. He wasn't ashamed of bonds. He ministered. Ultimately, we see a man who was committed to the faith. This sounds like a guy I want in my church. I want him up here leading the church. This guy is a guy that all of us want in our church. This is a guy you need to strive to be like. A guy who refreshes. You need to be a person who refreshes. What's that mean? What is refreshment? The Greek word means to properly cool off, or that is to relieve. We think of refreshments today, we think of, oh, we're going to have refreshments after services or something. We're going to have drinks, we're going to have snacks. Is this the type of refreshment he offered Paul? No, this refreshment he offered was his by being there. By him seeing Paul, by Paul seeing him, he was refreshed. He was built up. He was edified. Every one of you tonight refreshes me. This is my first time at Wheeler. It's a whole new congregation of believers. Do you realize how much that excites me? How much that invigorates me? There's a whole other congregation out here worshiping the Lord. Amen. And refreshment is important to us today. Very important. You know what the opposite of refreshment is? Isolation, getting tore down, getting wore out. Me and Sean just came from a congregation that's like that. They were so refreshed by seeing me and Sean. They were built up, they were edified, they were excited to see us. Why can't we be like that everywhere in every congregation? Why can't you be like that In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25, it says, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. I'm typically a King James Version only guy, just because that's what I grew up, and I revert back to it in my mind. Not because I think it's better, but I want a different translation to help us understand this verse. It's called the Berean Standard Bible. It says, A generous soul will prosper. And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. What's that mean? It means by me seeing you, I'm refreshed. And by you seeing me, you learn about a congregation in Kentucky. Most of you probably didn't know about. And that builds you up because halfway across the country, there's another congregation worshiping the Lord. And that's refreshing. That builds me up. So how do we refresh people today? Because you need to do this. We need to have refreshment. You need to have refreshment in your life. You can do it with your presence. Just by simply being here, you refresh others. You can do it with your support, whether that be emotional support, whether that be calling in, checking, hey, how are you doing today? With your prayers. By praying for someone, you can refresh someone. About your sacrifice. Time is a valuable asset in today's life. If you spend some time with someone, they know how much you love them. That refreshes people today. You can do that. Be like Onesiphorus. 
Be a guy who refreshes. Be a lady who refreshes. Be a Christian who refreshes. He had a persevering heart. He was dedicated. It says, but when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. You know, this is a guy that I'm starting to think of that no matter how long it took Onesiphorus, he was going to search for Paul until he found him. He was going to go out there. At this time, Paul was in Rome imprisonment. He was under house arrest. And Rome was a pretty good-sized city. From one record I read, probably around 200,000 people at the time. That may be off. That's just what one record said. And there's a lot of houses. You take 200,000 people. Onesiphorus, he didn't know where he was. He said, I'm going to find Paul. I'm going to go until I can find him so I can refresh him. Reminds me a lot of a, per- of a person in one of Jesus' parables. In Luke chapter 15, verse 8 and 9, it says, What woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she found it? And when she hath found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peach which I have lost. These ten pieces of silver today, we could equate that to a woman's engagement ring. A woman would search a very long time if she lost her engagement ring today, right? And whenever she found it, she's going to be super excited. Say, hey, I found it. It was lost. This is the guy that Onesiphorus was. I don't know where you are, Paul. I'm going to search with you. Guys, I found Paul. I'm so excited. I'm re- I can't wait to see him. This is the type of attitude Onesiphorus had. He was out there looking until he found them. Dedication. Perseverance today. What's that look like? You need to be dedicated to the work. There's lost souls out there. I found one. I'm helping to bring them back. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You have to be dedicated. The end goal is there. We're running a marathon, not a sprint. You have to persevere. You have to endure. In James chapter 1 verse 12, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You got to be dedicated. You can't give up halfway. That's not good enough. You have to be like Onesiphorus. You have to endure. You have to be dedicated. You have to persevere. It also said that he was not ashamed of bonds, not ashamed of my chain. You know, like I said, Paul was in prison. He was nearing the end of his life, yet Onesiphorus came anyway. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that he was in jail. It didn't matter that there could have been a threat to his life. I'm going to go see Paul. He needs me. He wasn't afraid to do the menial work that we sometimes don't want to do. Now, in America, in 2023, we don't necessarily have people being thrown in prison because of their faith, right? What, what do we have? We've got people locked in their homes. People locked in nursing homes that can't get out. When was the last time you went and saw someone that was locked up? Were you ashamed of, your, were you ashamed of their bonds? Onesiphorus was ready and willing to go. He was ready to go to this. Even though Paul couldn't come out, he was chained. He was in prison. These people can't leave. They're chained. They're in prison. Are you going to see them? 
Are you going to be like Onesiphorus and go visit them? You have to go to them. They can't get out. They're in chains, people. We got to go. We have to be like Onesiphorus. You have to be like this guy. You have to go and not be ashamed of bonds. And all this we could summarize that he ministered to Paul. All of this he's serving Paul in some way. It says in many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus. Whenever Paul was preaching the gospel, whenever he was at Ephesus, Onesiphorus was helping him. He was ministering to him. He was serving him all along the way. You know very well, he said to Timothy. Service today can come in many different ways. I will tell you this. If you come to church to be served, you're coming to church for the wrong reason. Come with an attitude of Onesiphorus and come, what can I do to serve you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? That's the example we see Christ gave us in John chapter 13 after washing the disciples' feet. He says in verse 15, I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. You need to be serving other people, looking for opportunity to serve your fellow Christian. Have an attitude of Onesiphorus, of a servant's heart. This is what the attitude of a first century Christian was. Someone who's dedicated. Someone who serves. You could describe this, sum it up in one word or one phrase, committed to the faith. It says, salute Priscilla and Aquila the how and the household of Onesiphorus. What's this, this phrase here, household of Onesiphorus? What's that teach us? Onesiphorus wasn't just concerned about his own soul. He was concerned about his entire household. He was concerned about the souls and his family. He was going to preach the gospel to them. He's going to make sure they had a relationship with God. That they knew what Christ had done for him. He can do it for them as well. The calling we see in 1 Corinthians, there it was for everyone. He, Onesiphorus wanted to show them that. This calling, this invitation is for you. So all these lessons in his life of being committed to the faith, of refreshment, of a persevering heart, not ashamed of Paul's bonds, minister, ministering to him. This is an example of what you need to be like as a Christian today. Nothing has changed. The message hasn't changed. What has changed or what does not need to change is our same attitude. We need to be just like this. We need to be like Onesiphorus. It says there again in that verse, you see your calling, brethren, not many wise men. We, we say Onesiphorus, we don't know how, how smart of a guy he was. We don't know if he was wise. We don't know if he was, if he was a run-of-the-mill guy. We don't know if he was a mighty man. We don't know if he was a noble man. It didn't matter. All we know is one thing. He accepted that invitation. He accepted what Christ had done for him. He accepted that message, and then he was dedicated to it. He acted upon that. A life of service, a life of dedication. That little RSVP. You know, that invitation that we talked about there in 1 Corinthians, for you see your, your calling, that invitation has sent, been sent out to everyone in the world. Everyone in the world has this invitation. But not everyone's going to accept. But you know what? You can accept. You can accept, you can check this box. You can go back and say, God, yes, I believe what your son did for me. I believe that him hanging on the cross for my sins. I believe he, he can take that away with his blood. I, 
believe that I can be washed clean and live a new life in service to you. This calling we see, we need to share this. We need to think on it ourselves. Because this invitation has been offered to you. It's not my invitation, it's from God himself. You're invited tonight. As we conclude this service, we're getting ready to sing a song. Jesus is calling. He's calling to everyone in this room. He's calling to everyone in this world. But how are you going to accept? An invitation, that invitation, you know the thing about an RSVP? It's only good for you. You can't fill it out for someone else. They can't fill it out for you. You have to check this. You have to accept it. No one else can do this for you. What's your answer tonight? Are you going to accept this invitation or reject it? Because you can walk out and reject it, and the end of the time could come. Then you'll be lost, my friends. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.